This is Tether Talk, the podcast where every woman is seen, heard, and known, no matter her status. Here we heal through laughter and tears. Here we hope for better relationships. And here we hold on to truth so we can live and love peacefully. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good morning. And girl, (laughs) I've been through so much in the last week. As a matter of fact, I've been through a lot in the last three weeks, mentally, emotionally, and physically. You already know that I've been struggling with this virus and praise God, I feel like a lot more like myself. As I shared last week, I'm getting better. I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, But I will say that after not coughing for, you know, a few days, like a week now, as much as I was, I'm really struggling with like shortness of breath. And so that's a challenge for me. So if you hear me taking a deep breath or, you know, um, taking a break, honestly, it's because I'm struggling. I I don't know what it is. I I believe that I'm going to get better. You know what? I can be honest with myself and, and just say that I'm not sure if I was in the best health before this virus hit me and so it could just be (laughs) a microscope on the fact that girl you got to drop those 40 you know 40 pounds so you can be at the best um maybe it's not the number but i I do i do have a goal and i need to get to that place so this might be it but i i would say that i did not struggle with with shortness of breath prior to the virus and so now i'm just like (sighs) get your life together so speaking somewhat challenging especially if I get to it you know talk a little bit fast um and then singing that's been that's been a a challenge so prayers up for your girl if you have you know some time quiet time and um I come to mind please lift a girl up because I need to breathe I need to breathe if you are new here welcome my name is Naomi I'm a Christ follower communicator coach and your host here at Tether Talk This is week three. I was supposed to upload it on Friday, this past Friday, which would have been uh, the 15th. However, I had a lot going on. My girls, as we know, it is the season here in in America, the West. Uh, You know, we have, I should say the United States, being a little bit more specific. But, you know, Christmas break is coming along. uh, Winter break. Let me be politically correct. Winter break for all is coming up, at least in my county. And so girls had um, early release and I I picked them up and then my family actually traveled on Friday and so there was a lot of movement in the house Um, uh, my cousin came to visit I haven't seen him in about four years so there was just a lot of of, um, movement and I just didn't get a chance to do it and then Saturday the girls were actually with me uh, spending some quality time so here I am Tuesday morning um, on my way out to pick up a few more um, ribbons for wrapping gifts and whatnot. Um, my gifts are super practical. Let me not try to put it out there like I got, oh, yeah, we got gi-. No, practical gifts. Let me be real, 100. And I'm so, so glad that the best present ever is J-E-S-U-S. He is the reason for this season, as they say. But for me, it's just about 
remembering the fact that Christ came as a gift from the heart of the Father to set up what would be the way by which we would be saved and reconciled to relationship with him. So I'm very, very grateful. But as my children are growing, you know, I, I'm fine with sharing with them that it's okay to exchange gifts with people, not just in this season, but to be a cheerful giver in general, whether that's through sharing tithes and, you know, uh, giving to those who are in need or just out of a desire to just bless somebody. So um, those are conversations I'm having with my girls right now about this season, trying to navigate that for five and eight year old. Um, but yeah, they definitely do not believe in Santa Claus. So I, I shut that down at like two, you know what I'm saying? Is what it is. They were born. I'm like, yeah, he does not exist. <laughs> I did tell them about the, you know, St. Nicholas and all that stuff and like kind of where this comes from or whatever. But at the end of the day, Jesus. So praise the Lord. Anyway, I am continuing week three, speaking to my married and divorced sister today in this mini relationship status pep talk series. So I'm glad that you are here and I pray that you will stay with me. If you are out and about, please be safe. Sit with me if you got some time and be sure to sip on some truth while you are here. And as I have said every single week, and I truly, truly mean this, not just because it is a part of my business structure or whatever, but I am just, I, I just love communicating. I love talking with women. I love encouraging them. I love meeting any type of um, exhortative need that they may have within their life, right? I love praying with women. So if you are in a season right now where you just need somebody to talk to, you need an extra ear, an extra shoulder, a heart to understand some affirmation, encouragement, prayer, correction, a little bit more personal of a pep talk, then by all means, book 30 minutes with me so we can do that. Or we can talk about um, your heart. We can talk about your relationships. And ultimately, we can focus on the horizon on your way to becoming all that the Lord has created you to be. So details for all of that are in the show notes. Feel free to check that out. But let us get into this particular topic. I'm talking to my married and divorced sister this morning. I've been on both sides, okay, two times around. That's not something that I'm proud of or boastful in. While that might be a very loose statement because there's so many <laughs> ways that I can look at my my life now that I'm on a different side of it or I've turned the page of, of those particular chapters in my life, I can look back and say, oh, while that may not have been the best, the Lord is so good in 828ing my life, restoring my life, redeeming my life, working all things together for my good because I love Him. I can look back and say, while this sucked, while this was trash, I do see God's saving grace and I do see my life being tethered to the Lord all the more. And because of that, I can now say it was all what it was supposed to be sovereignly. You know, obviously my choice in the matter, but God's choice to see that I would not stumble and stay in that place of stumbling or stumble and fall and never, ever get back up. So I'm so grateful for the Lord in that but in being on both sides of the of the you know pendulum if you will the spectrum if you will twice over i can honestly tell you that the one common thread between being married and divorced for a woman in my opinion is maintaining identity identity is so important as as i'm speaking to you and if you are married or if you're divorced in this status 
Your identity is the only thing that keeps you 100. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm going to uh, define identity very quickly in three different ways. Google Webster, the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. I don't like that verbiage, honestly. It's it's very technical. I'm not saying you know it's technical because you wouldn't understand it or that I don't understand it. I just don't like it. I feel like it's choppy. It's not very fluid. I like lyrical, <laughs> poetic connection of words, and so. When I read that, it just makes me feel very disjointed, if you will, which is not what identity should be, in my opinion. So I'm not coming for Google. I'm not coming for Webster. I'm just saying when I read it, 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 it messes with me a little bit. But I digress. I'll say it again. The fact of being who or what a person or thing is. The fact of being who a person is or what a thing is. I think that's how I would have written it because you know, be clear, be clear. Okay. So that's one. The psychology today actually gave this definition. Identity encompasses the memories, experiences, relationships, and values that create one's sense of self. That's fair. You know, uh, this amalgamation creates a steady sense of who one is over time, even as new facets are developed and incorporated into one's identity. I like that because of the of the details or the tangents that there's that they combine as and saying that identity is encompassed by all of these things and then they emphasize the fact that it's something that it's a sense of who someone is or who one is over time i think that's a fair definition right i i it's true right you're um we do evolve. So for that sense, I could say yes. Okay. And then uh, a, a biblical identity definition. I just found this on Crossway. I don't necessarily, it's not necessarily a, a definitive biblical identity specifically. You can't just find this in scripture verbatim, but the principles behind this biblical, uh, this uh, identity definition, ha you know, lands in, in biblical principles. So Everyone has an identity from God and being made in the image of God, but believers in Christ have an identity given to them by being known by God intimately and personally as his child. Our identity then is a gift from God. I lean towards this definition and also accept the psychology today definition while I understand that the basic definition is also the Google Webster. So the three of these definitions, I believe, make sense and can really speak to different aspects of who a person is, in my opinion, as they're created by God. We are mind, we are soul, body, and spirit. So we have our emotions, we have our physical person, and then we have our spirit that never dies. So if we're talking about our physical person, that's Google Webster. <laughs> we're talking about our soul, psychology today if we're talking about our spirit the crossway definition so hopefully that helps to kind of bring things together and i can just put all these in, in uh, and just say like this is about who you believe that you are that's going to be different based upon whether or not either one of these definitions resonate with you and or your personal spiritual belief i just have to say like it's, uh, you know it's, a, it's a slightly on topic but you know not necessarily speaking to identity but the truth of the matter is what you believe in general is going to shape who you think you are. So that is why I believe scripture is necessary for me to identify who I am. If I don't have that, there's no tether. There's, I, I, there's no anchor for me. 
at all. And that's why this, this ministry and what I talk about all the time, and I am doing my very best by the power of the spirit to become so, um, I don't know. I, I, I want, I want this message that the Lord has given me to be one that is so clear that literally just walking, walking by me, somebody's like, yo, Naomi is, you know, more often than not going to open her mouth and talk about how to stay connected to the Lord. That's just what my life has led me to because every time I was not, or every time I did not allow myself to stay near to the cross, abide with the, with the spirit, abide with the father. I've, I've lost myself. I've lost my identity or I've lost, I've forgotten who I was. That's a better way for me to say it. James chapter one, you know, um, maybe you don't know, but if you read James chapter one, it's like, it talks about, you know, somebody looking at their face in the mirror and, uh, walking away and immediately forgetting what they look like. <laughs> I've done that in many seasons of my life. It is not a good feeling. It is not a good feeling to, to see yourself, to identify yourself, to know yourself, and then to walk away and immediately forget yourself. That's tragic, right? Give me a second. <sighs> Gotta take a break. <laughs> um, but that's tragic. Nobody has time for that. So I've made it a mission for me to always remember who I am by remembering who God is and remembering who he says I am. And before I move on, I just want, I guess I want to ask that question of you. Like, who do you believe that you are? Who do you believe that you are? I'm not going to quite say, who do you believe God thinks that you are? God says that you are, because you may not believe in, in God. You may not believe in Jesus. Um, but this has to be solidified in you before you can really embrace the value of identity. If you don't understand identity, there's no way that you can embrace its value. It doesn't. That's what that's what leads us to very deep and depressive moments where we lack esteem. We struggle with our worth. So if this isn't taken care of, if this is not solidified, it's going to be a very unstable life for you. And that's not my desire. I really, really desire for you to embrace who you are. Embrace that identity to an extent that no matter what happens, you are unmovable. You are steady. You have to be steady. In fact, <laughs> I will talk about that, but I have a lot to say about that. I might do that week five. You've got to get this, okay? Be solidified. So let's, let's talk about this. You are not your status. But culture and community, society, all those things psychology today talk talked about makes this a thing, okay? Status 
is so important in some society, well, in every society, it's just different. But relationship status, for some reason, is like a massive thing, right? I believe that there are some lies that affect our identity based upon our status. So I wanted to take a couple minutes to identify some lies that I believe are like the top, okay? The top three lies about married, the married status, the top three lies about the divorce status. I want to break that down real quick before I get into what I would hope that you would hold on to as you move forward in this particular status of married and or divorced. So for the married, for the married, for the married, for the married, for my married sister out there, these are three lies that in my experience being married twice, I found myself believing and it jacked me up. Okay. It's a pep talk. It jacked me up. So if you are married, these are three lies that I'd like to expose. And I pray that you are encouraged by what I say. Number one, lie number one, you are who you are and you won't change. In fact, nothing changes. You are who you are and you won't change. That is a lie. That is a lie, not just for women. That's a lie for men. That is, that is a lie about marriage, period. The fact that you would get married, that you would make a decision to marry, you would accept a proposal. And from that point forward, you are who you are and you won't change. I know that sounds crazy. And you might be married right now and listening and be like, no, that's not. Sis, <laughs> most people who get married have expectations and I had those expectations and, and most people actually get, get to a point of marriage, especially in religious spaces, I'll be real, where they're like, yo, they kind of prepare themselves and they set themselves up for the most part. I'm not saying everybody's usually prepared, but for the one who might be preparing themselves, they get to that point. And because marriage has been elevated so much to an extent that it's almost become an idol in a lot of ways, People get into that place, they stand at that altar and they're like, yo, I've arrived. That's the mentality, right? It's the arrival. And because of that arrival, I've prepared myself. I've readied myself. We set everything up. They kind of look at the ceremony. Uh, they kind of, they look at their who they are as equal to their preparation for the ceremony. So it's like not understanding that the wedding is different from the marriage. And so you might be done up head to toe face beat everything is all good you looking right and tight waist cinched everything popping where it needs to be popping you show up pictures are glam everything is perfect but then you realize when you say those vows and a month has passed a week has passed a day has passed <laughs> that who you are while you may have on the outside been fully prepared for the wedding may not be completely prepared for the marriage itself. So the lie is that you are who you are and you won't change. That is a full-blown lie. Why? Because we are ever growing as people, we are ever learning and we are ever evolving. So if you, if you believe that lie right now, break it, set yourself free, understanding that you will forever be growing every single day and I you know sometimes people they we want to look at growth as like oh I'll check in in a season and everyone has in the back of their mind 
a season, like a time frame for that season. Oh, it could be like every six months or every year. It's unspoken. We never talk about this with people, but we have it in our own minds. By such and such time, I want to be here. I want to be this type of person. I want to have achieved this thing over here. And that's the same thing in marriage. If you don't communicate those things, your identity is going to be hit really, really hard. If you don't communicate those things to yourself primarily, you, you may or may not share them with your spouse, which I would hope that you would. But for the purpose of this episode and speaking about identity, you have got to get to a point where you say to yourself, you know what, while I have prepared this for this wedding and everything was set up and maybe you're on the other side of the wedding, so it's, it's already done. But if you're engaged and you're you know right there married, whatever, that's one thing. But if you if you never did that for yourself when you stood at that altar to give yourself freedom to change you need to do that do that for yourself right now you are who you are and you are ever growing and you are ever learning and you are ever evolving do not believe the lie that you are who you are and you won't change number two lie for a married woman you are deficient <laughs> this is a lie if you if you went into marriage thinking that your spouse would complete you lie incorrect you have set yourself up to be fighting the spirit of deficiency and insecurity for the rest of your life i'm not speaking that over you what i am saying though is get this together you were not deficient coming in and your spouse is not going to completely complete you it is for you to focus on becoming the most whole version of yourself. We've talked about this. Honorable in the relationship, in the marriage, but you must be whole in order to give that kind of honor. If you are not whole, your focus is always going to be glass half empty when it comes to your marriage. You will always feel deficient. You will always feel like you are incomplete unless your spouse fulfills you. Unfortunately, we have sisters today who are married right now and, and, and they are married to somebody who believes that about them. You need me. I complete you. Without me, you could do nothing. Absolutely not. You are a whole person by yourself. You are a complete person by yourself. And you made a decision in marriage to become a partner with somebody who should also be a whole person, a complete person. And the two of you come together parallel. You walk side by side, preferably hand in hand, but you walk side by side to fulfill or achieve the goals that you have agreed upon to support each other in vision, the, the collective vision that you have, and to pursue that with abandon preferably on Christ, who is the cornerstone, but that there's a partnership and that not one person is more deficient, is deficient in any way or, 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 you know, or in insufficient, deficient or insufficient. No. So if you believe this lie right now and you're married, sis, get filled up by the word. Be filled up by what is true. <clears throat> your affirmations which I hope would come from the word of God but whatever you need to do to be filled fill up 
because your spouse will not complete you. Your spouse is imperfect. The hope is that they're whole and complete, but complete in their identity. Like, yo, I, I am me. And this is not I am me like, can nobody change me? No, no, no. This is I am me, meaning that I receive myself. I embrace who I am. I know I have flaws and I have faults, but I'm also someone who is full of joy. I'm someone who has vision, who has direction. I'm someone, you know, who has a purpose. Those things, that's, that's completion, right? Completion is balanced. Wholeness is balanced. It's an understanding what we talked about, the, the soul, the body, the spirit. That's a fullness. That's a wholeness in and of that person's identity, your identity. You are not deficient. You lack nothing because you are body, soul, and spirit. But if you have believed the lie that you are deficient and your spouse will somehow complete you and wake up every morning and you're just going to feel like all, you're, you're, you know, top 10 all the time, cloud nine all the time, don't believe the hype. Marriage is work. And the goal of marriage is for two to come together and to work together and receive a reward for their labor together. But if you are not whole, complete, and you do not see yourself as, as finished in who you are, body, soul, and spirit, then you are going to put more emphasis on that and less on the partnership and what you're building together. That's lie number two. Lie number three, you are perfect. <laughs> Complete opposite end of the spectrum. You are perfect. This is the lie that upon standing at that altar, you like immediately received auto maturity or something like that. Like this is that belief that that marriage was somehow a reward for your perfection. That's a lie. I need you to know that. And in some spaces, marriage is so epitomized. It has its place in scripture. Don't get me wrong. And I, I believe and it is a it is an institution created by God. It is a covenant that God accepts and that God signs off on if you choose to go in it the way that he, he desires for you to go in it. But at the end of the day, it is not a reward for perfection. No one is perfect. You are not perfect. You are whole. You are complete mind, body and spirit or soul, body and spirit. But you are not perfect. You didn't receive a reward for your maturity upon marriage. And that lie that you are perfect is going to set you up anytime you make a mistake for disaster. You're literally going to subconsciously be walking around in your union thinking, I can't make any mistakes. I can't make any mistakes in this house. I can't make any mistakes outside, especially if you were one of those who was out there boasting about how big your bling is. It was all about the wedding. It was all about this. Or you were on the other side a little bit more, uh, you know, passive or, you know, uh, uh, let's say in, like discreet in your pride. I'm just going to call it out. Oh, yeah, I'm married now. So now I no longer talk to my single friends or I have an air about me. I've got a little bit of like, you know, I'm walking on clouds when I walk by people now because I'm married. I'm a wife. I'm a wife. I mean, it's a it's a great position to have. It's a great role to, to be in, but it's a chosen role. So it's not like somebody came to you and they were like, oh, my gosh, like you're the epitome of all of that is wifedom. Here you go. No, some brother decided that you were, you know, a partner for him. Amen. 
join the other wives, yes, but don't join the other wives with an air about you because you think you're perfect. Join the other wives so that you guys can come together as a massive prayer group. <laughs> To pray for each other, with each other, on behalf of your unions. <laughs> to support each other, to enjoy each other for sure. You know, to, to, to do life with one another. That's cool. But not with, an, not with partiality in mind where all of a sudden now anybody who's not married, you know, somehow is like immature. Or they still understand life or relationships, interpersonal skills and things like that. Like, no, calm down. You're not perfect. <laughs> You're not perfect and you can make mistakes the freedom here is that you need grace for yourself so if you believe the lie that you have to be perfect that's the other part so you come you could come in and say i am perfect now like you come in with again that auto maturity like boom i'm here i've got it like now you you have all the wisdom in the world for everybody like stop or you come on the other side where it's like you are perfect meaning you have to be perfect and the reality is no you are a human being and you are free to make mistakes, whether overtly or covertly, sins of omission or commission. I'm not saying while out on that, but I'm saying that you're going to make mistakes because you're human. And you need grace for yourself. We all do. Don't believe the lie. You need grace for you. And grace is a free gift of God to you. It is unmerited favor. It is that, oh, I don't deserve this. But God, every time I come before the Lord, God literally looks at me and says, hey, you coming is step one. I've got you. You admitting is step one. I'm here for you. Let's work this out together. Are you willing to work with my plan? Yes, Abba, I am. Okay, bet. Move on. My grace is sufficient, even in this moment, even in this situation, even with what you said. So as, so, you know, as long as you acknowledge it. And you know what? I'll say this before I move on to the lies for the three, top three lies for divorced women, uh, for me, um, based upon my opinion. I think people fail to understand that, that... <laughs> While grace is unmerited favor, I believe in common grace. God has given common grace for all creation. The fact that he, uh, he sees sin in this world and doesn't just be like what he did before, like, ah, drown it all and start over. You know, it, it will come again by fire. And he's told us this time, the first time, I mean, he did tell, he did tell them before. He told Noah, hey, tell all the people. And they just laughed at him, right? And he alone and his family were saved. Praise God. Those who believe the word of the Lord were saved. And here we are now. And the Lord is saying there will come a time where the earth will be destroyed by fire. And he has believers, Christians, disciples who are sharing that message now. And there's some people who are ha -ha -ha, laughing. It's going to happen. Make that plain. But God's grace is sufficient in that if you are willing to repent of your sins, accept Christ, then you receive the gift of grace and the favor of God to be able to walk into whatever experience, season, situation, life, relationship with his hand on you, his protection. It's not a boat this time. It's the palm of his hand. That's what we want. That's what we need. So tune your ears to the spirit of God. Tune your, tune your ears to 
those who are oracles of God and speaking as truth, pay attention because salvation is here. Salvation is near. Grace is available, but it comes from repentance. God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's the fact that he's telling us what's going to happen that should lead us to a place of repentance in him. So top three lies for marriage identity, the status the, about your identity based upon your status. For married women, the lie that you are who you are and you won't change. No, you are ever growing, ever learning, and ever evolving. Lie number two, you are deficient and your spouse will complete you. No, you are partners, whole individually coming together to complete a new work. Number three, you're perfect. Either you got auto maturity and you received a reward for being amazing or that you're so perfect that you can't make any mistakes. No, you need grace for yourself. Let's move on to my divorced sister. Let's talk about the top three lies about your identity based on the status of being divorced. My opinion. Number one, you are divorced. You as a person are divorced. It's the lie that once you made that 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 you're taking on, literally taking on the identity of divorce with a scarlet letter D on your back. Unlike women who chose to marry like you did, you chose to marry. You can't get a divorce if you've never been married. You know, it's it's the opposite. For the married woman, it's like, oh, you chose honor, you chose respect. And then for the divorced woman who finds herself in that situation, yours is a cloak of shame and condemnation. No, that is a lie. You are not your divorce. You do not need to take on the identity of the scarlet letter. You do not need to wear the cloak of shame and condemnation because divorce is a decision. It is a decision, just like marriage is a decision. People don't walk around saying, I'm married, I'm married all day. Like, why do you feel the need to say I'm divorced? If they're, if you're asked, okay, fine, great. But you don't need to, that does not need to be your identifier. Hi, my name is Naomi. I'm divorced. What? No, divorce is a decision. It's a choice. It's a one thing. It's a, it was a decision made. Yes, it, it, it sets up a new kind of life, but it's a decision. Or frankly, it's a response to a status inquiry on a piece of paper. Your status, just like single, married, divorced, widowed. It is a response, but unfortunately, we live in a world where this particular decision, though hard as it is, and there are realities to it, as, to, as we continue to grow through this podcast and God continues to give me wisdom and revelation about what I'm, what I'm preparing for my divorced sisters in 2024, we don't go into the detail of this thing. Your girl's an expert at this point, not an expert in divorcing. Ain't nobody black widow in this place. You know, when it comes to relationships, that's not what this is. That's not even a badge of honor or something that I'm proud of, but it is something that I will not allow Satan to come into your life. Like he tried to come into mine to try to suck the life out of me to a point where I just felt like, man, I can't, I don't, I can't even show my face. That's a lie. I am unveiled. You are unveiled because of the glory of God over your life, period. You don't have to walk around with a veiled face. You don't have to walk around in perpetual mourning. No, you don't. Divorce is not your identity. 
Lie number two, you are unlovable. That's a lie. You are unlovable. Like your worth is your that that for so for some reason, because that decision was made, you are now put on the clearance rack in every store of your life, in every season of your life. You are now so like so unlovable that you don't even you don't even deserve to be to be standing with anybody else, any other women. You need to hide. And I know this isn't the reality for all divorced women or women who have made that decision. Because for some, and especially in our culture, it is celebrated. Oh my gosh, she's so strong. And while those things are true, I'm speaking to the lie. The woman who is like, yo, like what happened? The woman who went into marriage, not thinking about this. And I don't believe any woman thought about that. With the exception of those who have like prenuptials, like prenuptial agreements, like, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. That's my personal opinion. It's like you already planning, right? But I'm also not against nest eggs. I'm not against, I wish I did that. <laughs> you know, now I know. I, I, I wish I was like, okay, putting something aside just in case, not, not, you know, for savings and things like that. But like, so that, I, you know, my starting over wouldn't be so bleak. That's, that's real. But again, there are layers to this thing. I'm speaking to lies. I'm speaking to the general lies. I'm not talking to the, you know, the small percentage of women who choose divorce and are walking around basically having parties that they had, that they're divorced now. You know, their, their divorce party is just as big as their wedding. I'm not talking to that woman. Do you, boo? I'm speaking to the woman whose identity is being attacked on the daily because Satan is trying to come at her, her worth, her value. You are not unlovable. Your worth is not determined by the circumstances of your life. They are determined. Your worth is determined by the God who is with you in every single circumstance, in every single season. The reality is that you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Fact on fact, you are loved. There are receipts for that all over scripture. No matter what your status is, you are loved. And the fact is, it's, this is not based on a relationship status. Your, the love of God for you, the fact that you are lovable is not based on your relationship status. It is based on your relational position. You are created by God and he so loved you. He so loved you that he died for you, made a way for you to be his daughter and an heir with his son. That's the fact. That's the fact that I believe in. Absent of that, if you don't want to believe that, if you don't want the full-on inheritance of God by believing that, at least believe that in being created, that you are loved. That there's space for you to be in right relationship with God. At least believe that. If you have not received that yet, at least believe that there's an invitation on the table with your name on it. Don't believe this lie that because you made a decision or a decision was made for you, that you're now unlovable, that you are now divorced and need to walk around like 
life is over for you. Like you're some, you're, you're some, you know, you're like a ghost or something. No. Like you have to hide. Like you walk into a room and everybody can see. I hate that for you. I hate that people have made you feel that way. I hate that you have to feel, you, you, the only time you feel strong is when you're invisible. I've been there. Or that you have to do something so quickly to cover it up. And all the other parts of you, the, the parts of you, not other, who you are is overshadowed by this decision. No, sis, you are loved. You have a high position of love and honor before God. Should you choose to accept that? But because he made you, he loved you. Because he died for you, he loved you. Those are, those are, <laughs> that's proof of love. That's proof of love. Number three, you are a failure. That's a lie, sis. You are not a failure. But that lie, you failed. You made a, you know, that, that mistake. Like, there's no way. You, you, you have messed up times 10. This is the worst mess up you could have ever done. You are such a failure. And that failure, that feeling of failure causes you to start second guessing. It brings fear when you come, when it comes to making choices, any other choice. I, I was, I was walking through the grocery store and stood in an aisle for an hour trying to decide between two different brands because I was so jacked up by my fear about about the feeling of failure in my life because of what had had occurred in my relationship. Just broken. God does not want you to live as if you are paralyzed when you're free, to live as if you are caged when the doors open. You are not a failure because there are mercies for every mistake. God's mercies are new every morning, every morning. And there's grace for good things to come in your life. Like truly, just like your married sister who's struggling with perfection, you might be struggling with failure that grace is is equal it's sufficient for every circumstance there's grace that's good for things to come there's mercy every morning new mercy every morning clean slate mercy every single morning and there's peace because of god's promises that he has for you this is the essence of what i do with divorced women mercy grace peace period and that's on overdrive for me my passion for this is literally fueled by the fact that I'm called and I'm not going to allow 12 years with a bleeding heart to stop me from speaking this truth because I war not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. I will encourage my married sister because I've been there. I desire to be there again. 
with the right man in my life who also understands this, this, this reality, understands covenant, understands his position, understands partnership, understands love and grace, understands mercy and peace, understands all that. I'm also here to speak to my sister who has been on the other side of, the, of a divorce decision. And to say with or without, you are still. And whatever led you to that place, we can talk about that. As long as that ink is dry, girl, I got you. I may not necessarily be there to speak into your identity in a complete sense if you're still processing it. I got resources for you. Amen. I can pray with you. Amen. But when it comes to being reset, believing again, starting over, hello, tether mission identity is everything so I wanted to end this episode with what I feel would be the ultimate identity affirmation for anyone real talk but specifically for my married and divorced sister it's so important please hold on to these truths Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your heart. Don't just let anybody speak to you. I heard a pastor say once, uh, Darius Daniels, whoever has your ear has your life. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you say to yourself. Be careful. You can't always control what people say over you, like in the sense that you might walk somewhere and somebody just, you know, cat calls or, you know, calls at your name or something like that. You can't always defend against that. But what when you sit and make time to receive, be very, very, very careful who speaks to you. The word of the Lord says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it, eat the fruit thereof. Meaning like you you run that mouth, you go eventually, you, you're basically speaking into your life exactly what you want. Which is why carnally, <laughs> culturally, <coughs> people talk about affirmations. Oh, affirm, affirmations. Affirmations are biblical in the sense that the Lord has already given you promises about who you are. He's already told you who you are. And he's giving you promises to, to back up that identity. You better go into the word of God that was written by the creator and see what he has to say about you. And then echo that, repeat that to yourself. So for me, these identity affirmations are legitimately echoes of what the Holy Spirit has said to us already. Nothing brand new. But the things that can literally change your life if you hold on to them. Because we are living in a world and you are going through some things in life right now. That emotional eating is not going to fix. That binge watching reality TV is not going to fix. then try to, you know, see your reflection at the end of a bottle is not going to fix. 
that going around and just allowing yourself to feel numb between some man's legs is not gonna it's it's not it's not gonna fix it it's not gonna happen this has to be internal work i work identity work you have to it, it you must do it i refuse oh lord I have a book that I'm writing right now, putting together. I hope to have the manuscript done. I don't know why I'm doing this right now. Because <sighs> when you say stuff, you got, I got to be, I got to be, I got to be true to it. So here's, here is gross accountability, not gross in like disgusting, but <laughs> <coughs> here's gross accountability for me. As I tell the airwaves, you know, the world over. I'm going to write this book. <laughs> I hope that it comes out. My desire is for it to come out early summer. But my manuscript is going to be done in the spring. It's going to be read by chosen people. S criticized, scrutinized, all that. Edited, everything. I'm writing this book. Because I believe I have the appropriate chisel, hammer, whatever for this chain right here. Specifically for divorced women. For my married sisters, amen. I'm gonna pray you through. You wanna be encouraged by me? And look, look, I can, I can tell you, nah, let me not say that. I can help you stay married. <laughs> <laughs> I can. I'm very confident about that. Or I can help bring clarity to something that, that could really be jacked up. And I can do that for sure. I can't do that on a one-on-one -on -one basis because the Lord has very, been very specific. Naomi, don't do that. But you keep listening to Tether Talk? Oh yeah, I'll drop gems. Little candle lights, you know, tea lights. Is that what they call them? Tea lights. If you're in darkness right now, uh, I will help sojourner truth your life. But as far as that one-on-one, -on -one, the Lord has been very clear. Like, I can't cross that line because covenant is covenant. And that's something that is between you and the Lord. But if you are having, you know, a, a generally good marriage and you're just like, amen, you know, I sometimes get irritated or annoyed or whatever. I'll help you stay married. I can do that. And you should. If all is good, all is well, praise the Lord. And there's nothing too hard for God. There's so many layers to this. This is why, this is why conversation is important. The invitation is there. You want to talk? We can talk. As far as my divorced sisters, the ones who the Lord has said, hey, you are general for this, this battle right here, suit up, sharpen up, and go out there and fight, slay some stuff, I got you. Because now that the decision has been made and the ink is dry, we got work to do because of these affirmations. So to my married and divorced sister, number one, affirmation number one, summary of the affirmation, 
I guess I can give you that. I don't know. I'm just going to look at these words real quick because I wrote down the affirmations. But to summarize the affirmation for all, all five of these affirmations, I would just say, like, I am made in the image of God, full of purpose, seen, heard, love, and brave to live as I am called. Say that again. I am made in the image of God, full of purpose, seen, heard, loved, and brave to live as I am called. One more time, I am made in the image of God, full of purpose, seen, heard, loved, and brave to live as I am called. Let's break it down. Number one, I am made in the image of God. You represent God. You represent him and he invites you to participate in his redemptive plan for all of humanity. Genesis 1:27. Don't let nobody lie to you. You are made in the image of God. You are part of his plan for all of humanity. Male and female, he created them. Together, they take over. Together, they have dominion. Together, they fulfill the mandate of God for humanity in the world. You are made in the image of God. Let nobody Nobody, nobody take that truth away from you. Number two, I am full of purpose. You were created for good works before the foundation of the world, no matter your past or your present. From the very beginning where God formed you in your mother's womb, breathed life into you, you were made for purpose. You were made for good works. It doesn't matter what your past or your present is. It does not matter. There have been so many testimonies of people who have been jacked up in their past. They have overcome, they have found truth, and they are now living life and giving giving life back to people. That's you, full of purpose. Number three, I am seen by God. Whether you are in a tent like Sarah and you laughed because you heard the spirit of the Lord say that you were gonna be pregnant at 90 years old, you are seen by God. Whether you're in the desert like Hagar who was running away from Sarah because Sarah didn't like your son anymore and you're in the desert by yourself and you're crying out to the Lord because you don't know what you're gonna do. And El Roy, the God who sees, finds you and gives you a promise and tells you to go back home because he's gonna be with you, you are seen by God. Or if you are like my girl, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who has been ostracized from people because she has, has, has had five husbands and is sleeping and with another man who is not her husband living with him. And she has got all of these, um, you know, uh, people have, have said so many things about her. They're criticizing her to the extent that she can't even get water in the city. She has to go far away to Jacob's well just to get water. If you are that woman, God always sees who you are. God has always seen you from the very beginning. And when he sees you, he sees not just who you are today, but who you can be. You are seen by God. Number four, I am heard by God whether through your hurt, like Hannah, who cried and wailed because she was always being pestered by her sister wife who had multiple children and she had no children. And she went to the temple and she cried her eyes out before the Lord and God heard her and blessed her with a son. You are heard by God. It's okay for you to ask and to receive of the Lord, no matter your status. I gotta sit with this one. I don't understand 
where that lie came that God does not hear. He doesn't listen. The truth is you are heard by God through your hurt, through your humiliation, like the woman who was caught in adultery. Open your mouth and communicate with God. Open your mouth and speak to God. Ask so that you can receive. Confess so that you can be healed. You have not because you ask not. And the only way God can hear you is if you speak. Yes, of course, he hears our tears. He understands where they come from. He understands what's in our heart before we even ask. But there is such authority and there is such, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A confidence and an assurance in the relationship that you have with God when you open your mouth and you speak to him. You are heard by God. In addition to being heard by God, this is also part of number four, but you are also loved by God because he gave his son for you. You got to make that personal. I am so loved by God that he gave his son for me so that I could be in unconditional relationship with him. Even in suffering, get this, even in suffering, when Jesus was nailed on the cross, this is how much God loves you. And people gloss over this all the time. The crucifixion story is so, like, it's so intense. We get it. But there were so many intimate moments in that that point us to God's heart for us. Not just the gruesome death. Yes, that, I mean, I'm not minimizing that. The gruesome death of Christ. The, the slave's death. The Roman-inspired slave death of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is the reason why our sins are forgiven because he allowed himself to be the blood atoning, pure sacrifice for our sins. This is true. But even in suffering, Jesus cared so much for his mother that he, before he died, he ensured her future. Woman, behold your son. He said to Mary about John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. And then to John said, and son, your mother, behold your mother. Because in that day, a woman like we've talked about was nothing without a man in her life or without sons. She had no position. She had no place. She had no power. She had nothing. He was not about to breathe his last without setting up his mom. He loved her just like he loves us. The Lord has done the same for you. He has established an eternal future for you in heaven, but he's the same God who hears you and loves you and desires to be in relationship with you right now. Number five, I am brave to live as I am called. I can do all things, all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me, all things in body, all things in soul, all things in spirit. So long as you are called to it, the Lord will make you brave. He has made you brave to overcome it, to endure it. Just like Deborah, the woman judge who God raised up and who, was, who, who won battles and had victory over every enemy. Like Esther, who was raised to a position and without, without, without 
allowing herself to be overcome by her position and her power and 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 the prosperity that she was in remembered her calling rallied others around to come with her to pray her through so that she could be brave to live as she was called like so many other women Rahab so many other women Mary Magdalene <laughs> Who, who broke oil and washed Jesus' feet and didn't care who was watching. That took some courage. She had the courage to love God. She had the courage to love Jesus. No matter what people said about her, about her reputation. She gave her all. Courage like the woman with the two mites who gave everything in the offering plate. And Jesus looked at her, everybody looked at her and saw how small her gift was with their own physical eyes. But the Lord said, she has given more than everybody here because she gave everything. That takes courage, that takes bravery. We're here to stomp on the lies. We're here to come against those things that are not true. We are not going to be passive. We are going to be strong. We're going to call upon who we are from the inside out. This is who you are, sis. This is who you are. Just gonna go through this one more time. And if you don't remember all five of them, that's fine. Remember the summary and walk away, head held high, believing this. I am made in the image of God, full of purpose, seen, heard, loved, and brave to live as I am called. You're made in the image of God. You are full of purpose. You are seen by God, you are heard by God, loved by God, and you are brave to live as you are called. I was going to take a few more moments to read one more scripture that I just feel just hits with all of this and kind of summarizes every status. And I want to just read it and I wanted to say one last thing <clears throat> about about this whole series because it's so important to me. Oh, it's so important. I didn't think it would hit as hard for me, but as, even as I finish this episode, <clears throat> excuse me. I feel like my flame has been fanned all the more because I refuse to see my sister suffer. I know I kind of like joked around and was like, yo, I'm a sojourner truth this thing. But like for real, for real. Wherever the Lord illuminates, uh, illuminates a path for me to create some sort of like underground railroad, such is Tether Talk. <clears throat> I know it's on blast because you can find it at whatever platform, but such is Tether Talk. Spiritually speaking, it's an underground railroad. And we're coming out 
of slavery. We're coming out of bondage. We're coming out. We, all of us, because this is a continual work. And, and I want you all, single, it's complicated, married, divorced, widowed. I want you all, I want you <laughs> to understand the authority and the power that you have in Jesus Christ. Should you choose to allow him to be Lord over your life? It's yours. And eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the hearts of man what God has in store for you. You don't even, I don't even know. Man, I've seen pictures, I've seen visions, I've, I've heard words spoken over my life, I've read scripture that the Lord has, has illuminated for me, and I know that's me all day long. I just know it. But we have to remind ourselves daily, be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of our mind on the daily, that we may be able to prove what is God's good and perfect will for us in Jesus' name, not conforming to this world but being transformed. So yeah, your girl talks a lot. I have to. If I don't talk truth to me, if I don't stay tethered to the word of God to me, Satan knows our weaknesses. Don't get it twisted. He knows that I'm in my head a lot of times. He knows that I'm, I self-criticize all the time. That's like my primary thing. So if I'm not speaking truth, if I'm not filling myself up with the word of God, if I'm not speaking life over myself, oh, it's going to take two seconds for me to start spiraling. But that's not the life that God has for me. He has given me the promise that he would allow me to have a steady heart. If I stand upon him as the truth, the cornerstone, firm foundation, my heart will be steady. I will live a life of peace. That's not absent of chaos, but understanding that Christ is in the midst of my season, whatever it is I'm going through. And the same is for you. I'm no different. When I talk about us being children of God, daughters of Zion, daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it's not like he, he his arm is not so short. He, his... <laughs> He's time. You get that? He's out of time. He carries time. What time is it? God. When is this going to happen? God. Who's in control? God. Yahweh. Abba. I believe in him. He keeps my mind in perfect peace. The Bible says he will keep his mind or her mind in perfect, perfect peace who is stayed on him. My mind is on him, perfect peace. Every time. I might have to fight for it. I might have to, and I'm not fighting for peace. I'm fighting to get to him. That's what we do. We fight to get to him. Every day. Somebody says something about you, you got to fight to get to Jesus. And where you find Jesus, where he is, is your peace. So as we've, we've talked about status, we've talked about relationship status specifically, I just want to read this scripture and end with one focus and that's it. And I'll let you go. 
and then I'll be back with you <laughs> in like three days. But yes, seriously, I'm going to read this right now. It's so important. Galatians 3, 23 um, through 4, 7. And it reads, before this faith, the faith that Jesus Christ is the Lord, he's the Messiah, and those who believe in him will be saved. Before this faith came, we were confined other, under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, since Jesus has come, since we have the freedom to be reconciled with God the Father, we are no longer under the guardian of the law. <clears throat> for, for through faith, you are all sons and daughters of God in Jesus Christ, period. For those of you who were baptized in Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is, here it is, here it is. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, single, it's complicated, married, divorced, there is no classification since you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Now I say that as long as the heir is a child of God, he differs in no way from a slave. I'm sorry, if, if the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time that is set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter. And if you are a son and a daughter, then you are made as an heir. God has made you as an heir. You have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. Nothing can take that away from you if you surrender to the love of God, the kindness of God that avails you to be welcomed into the family of God, to be the beloved of, beloved of God, to be adopted as a daughter of God, to receive the full promises of God and to sit with him at the family table. Sis, this is you. This is your identity no matter your classification. This is Bible. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter if you are incarcerated or not, if you are homeless or not, if you're in a psychiatric facility or not, if you struggle with addictions or not. It doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It does not matter. So long as you accept the invitation, you become a daughter of God. You become an heir to the inheritance of God. You become a free agent of the Lord to live this life fully in your identity that is whole, that is complete, in order to live an honorable life before God. 
Don't sleep on the word. Don't sleep on Jesus. Don't sleep on your promises. Don't sleep on the opportunities that are available for you. Don't sleep on the truth that sets you free from all the lies that come to attack you, that come to put you in your quote unquote place. No, the only place that you have is to be a co-heir with Jesus Christ, who is already seated at the right hand of the Father, period. Can't nobody take that from you. Nobody. There is no status. There's no classification in Christ. There's no partiality in Christ. You are welcome. You are received. You are loved. You are heard. And you are called to live this life bravely because you believe. I pray that this has been an encouragement in some way. No matter what your status has been, no matter what your status is, I pray this has been an encouragement in some way and that it sets you up to go back to that mirror, to look at yourself, take clear inventory, ask your heavenly father, what do you see, Lord? And let him speak to you. That's what I have to do every single day, even before I get on this mic. I shared a little bit about what I went through and why this is late, but there's been a lot going on in the last three weeks. And I've had to really speak life over myself and surround myself with people who are speaking life over me so I don't feel like I'm losing it. It's real. And so I sit here today with all confidence because God brought me through and I have the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guarding my heart and mind right now in Christ Jesus. Let's work this thing out together. Sis, please come to the well and drink. Receive it. I'm so excited for next week. I'm sending mad text messages to every person I know. And I'm saying like, yo, I'm about to do a Q&A week four <laughs> for any status, any questions about relationships, whatever. You want to send me a message? DM me on Instagram. That's, that's going to be like my mailbox for right now. Okay. Until some stuff is set up, right? DM me there with your relationship questions. I don't care what your question is. Send me a question. I'm going to be gathering questions from my friends, gathering questions from, you know, wherever. I'm really trying not to like jump online and like just find random. I don't want to do that. That's weird to me. No, I'm not trying to, you know, make it up. No, I just want real questions. Just send me your questions or talk at tethermission.com. Email me there. DM me at tethermission. Your questions, I will get those questions, combine them. My goal, it depends on how, you know, how detailed the questions are. But yeah, you know, I'm going to take about an hour and answer questions. Respond to questions. I keep saying answer. Respond to questions. I don't have answers. <laughs> but I will respond to those questions. And then week five, I want to recap 2023. Look to the horizon of 2024. Share with you guys what my word is for the year. I've been sitting on this for like two to three months. The Lord has solidified that. So I'm super ready. I think it's like a, a it's a, a dual word, I guess you could say. There are a couple things I need to sit on. So I'm going to do that. And um, yeah, that's it. We're midway, a little over midway uh, in December. We don't have a, we don't have very many days left. Don't be anxious. 
but make the most of these days. See what you need to do. Ask the Lord, inquire of God's heart what you need to do at the end of this year. If you need to, you know, cut a cuff, amen. If you need to release somebody for offending you, amen. If you need to commit to the man that's in your life after a, a really legit DTR, praise God. You know, if you need to make, make yourself right with the Lord, handle your business, amen. If you need to establish a new boundary, make it plain, <laughs> amen. Whatever you gotta do, get it done and know that you're not alone while you're doing it. God is with you and your girl is with you too. Thanks so much for listening, sis. We'll talk soon. Until next time.